Welcome to Bethesda Broadcast, the podcast of Bethesda Church in Huron, South Dakota. Today we are continuing in our series on spiritual gifts with part three. Today, Pastor Roy looks at the difference between speaking gifts and serving gifts, and we'll get into some specific definitions and uses for each gift. We encourage you to open up your Bibles and follow along. Well, it is great to be in God's house this morning, a warmer Sunday, and um, I understand our good friends Tom and Linda, along with our son Ryan, are watching via live stream uh, because they're snowed out. They don't get to go to church. You guys should be here in South Dakota, um, where it's nice and warm. It's at least 68 degrees here in the auditorium, Uh, so you should be here with us. And I want to welcome others who may be watching live stream or even listening to our radio broadcast. Um, Some of you may not realize we broadcast uh, one week delayed, and so we just want to welcome each of you uh, as you are a part of our service. We are continuing our series today on spiritual gifts, and while we do that, um, maybe it's not coming up yet, um, I just want to reiterate kind of what we have been covering so far. Um, The first week, um, we talked about definition and purpose of spiritual gifts. Um, And we gave a a definition, there's many definitions, I'm going to give you another one today. And we talked about four purposes of spiritual gifts. If you missed any of these messages, I want to encourage you to go back and pick them up because these are foundational as we move into then the individual gifts. Uh, I would encourage you to listen to those. Secondly, last week we talked about recipients and reality of spiritual gifts. Uh, We talked about the recipients, the fact that they were loved by God, uh, that we are justified by faith, and that we are delivered from sin. And because of that, God has set us free to be unified, to serve the Lord together, to magnify the cross of Christ and to make him known. And then part three, fitness and function. That's what we're going to talk about today, fitness and function. In 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11, he says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I came across a great story to illustrate the importance of fitness when it comes to gifts. There were four brothers who left home for college, and they became successful doctors and lawyers and and prospered. Some years later, they chatted after having dinner together, and they discussed the gifts they were able to give their elderly mother who lived far away in another city. The first one said, I had a big house built for Mama. The second said, I had a $100,000 theater built in the house. The third said, I had my Mercedes dealer deliver her an SL600. The fourth said, listen to this. You know how Mama loved reading the Bible, and you know she can't read it anymore because she can't seem to see very well. 
Well, I met this priest who told me about a parrot that can recite the entire Bible. It took 20 priests 12 years to teach him. I had to pledge to contribute $100,000 a year for 20 years to the church, but it was worth it. Mama just has to name the chapter and verse, and the parrot will recite it. The other brothers were impressed. After the holidays, Mom sent out her thank you notes. She wrote, Milton, the house you built is so huge. I live in only one room, but I have to clean the whole house. Thanks anyway. Marvin, I am too old to travel. I stay home. I have my groceries delivered, so I never use the Mercedes. The thought was good. Thanks. Michael, you have given me an expensive theater with Dolby sound. It could hold 50 people, but all my friends are dead. I've lost my hearing, and I'm nearly blind. I'll never use it. Thanks for the gesture, just the same. Dearest Melvin, you were the only son to have the good sense to give a little thought to your gift. The chicken was delicious. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, <laughs> there is a fitness to gifts. And um, unfortunately, she ate the gift, but... God has given us gifts that fit our personality and our talents and our gifting that God has given us. You know, they say physical fitness is generally achieved through correct nutrition, moderate, vigorous physical exercise, physical activity, and sufficient rest. Sometimes we get too much rest and not enough physical exercise and not a good enough nutrition. And that's what we need spiritually too, isn't it? We need the nutrition of God's Word. We need to be exercising that gift then, not just taking in God's Word, but taking it in so that I can serve and use it. You know, they say the difference between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea is water is flowing in to the Sea of Galilee, but it's also flowing out. But the Dead Sea only has water flowing into it and nothing coming out. You see, we become stagnant, dead lakes, as it were, if we only take in and we never give it back out. So God has it designed that we not only take in God's Word, but we give it out and we share God with others. I'm reminded of the guy that, uh, in talking about working out, um, he said, I forgot to post on Facebook I was going to the gym. Now this whole workout was a waste of time. Nobody knows about it. The doctor was uh, telling his patient the handle on the recliner does not qualify as an exercise machine. <laughs> One doctor asked his patient, he said, what fits your busy schedule better, exercising an hour a day or being dead 24 hours a day? <laughs> Another person said, got up to 40 minutes on the exercise bike. Next week I'm going to try turning the pedals. A spiritual gift, I want to give you another definition. I don't think I have this on the overhead, but I want to give it to you. A spiritual gift is a God-given ability to serve God and other Christians in such a way that Christ is glorified and believers are edified. 
I took this from Precept Ministries. A spiritual gift is a God-given ability to serve God and other Christians in such a way that Christ is glorified and believers are edified. So this morning, we want to look at two types of uh, fitness, two main types of fitness when we look at uh, spiritual gifts. The first one is speaking gifts, and the second one is serving gifts. They can all be divided up, either speaking gifts or serving gifts. And so we're going to look at these uh, this morning. Speaking gifts are designed to verbally communicate God's message. These are people who have been gifted to communicate God's message and God's word uh, to others. Serving gifts, working with your hands to benefit others. Working with your hands to benefit others. I'll go back just for a second. Speaking gifts designed to verbally communicate God's message. And serving gifts, working with your hands to benefit others. Speaking gifts are directed by God's word. I don't get to pick the message I want to deliver. I mean, in a sense I do it, but it comes out of one of the 66 books of the Bible. But I don't make up the message. I don't make up the truth. I am called to share the truth. In Romans 3, 2, it says to begin with the Jews... To begin with the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. The word oracles is a root word from where we get our word logos. Now you'll remember when we did our study in the Gospel of John, we talked about John 1, in the beginning was the word, the logos, and the word, the logos, was with God and the word was God. Logos is the word. Jesus is the word. God's written revelation is the word. This is what we are required to speak and not just some positive mental attitude message or some motivational message. We are called to share God's word with people. Stephen, when he gave his speech to the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 7, that uses the term living oracles. And what that means is living words. Because the Bible tells us the Word of God is active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's alive, it's active, and we want to share that living, alive Word. And unfortunately, it says, Stephen said, Our fathers refused to obey him. Instead, they rejected him, and their hearts turned back to Egypt. They rejected the living words. But nevertheless, we're required to speak them if we have that gift. Speaking gifts are developed also by teaching God's Word, teaching God's Word. And before we can teach it, we have to learn it. So it, it, it's implied that we learn it before we even teach it. In 2 Timothy 3.15, it talks about Timothy, and it says that from childhood, Timothy had been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Timothy had learned the scriptures from a little child. Some of you have had the privilege of growing up in a Christian home where you could hear God's word. What a wonderful blessing that is. But it doesn't mean because you didn't, you can't still learn God's word. It's just going to take longer and more time. Uh, but people who have heard it from way back are, are blessed in that way. But speaking gifts are developed by teaching God's word. Paul says in 2 Timothy 4.2, Preach the word, be ready in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. 
So here's how it's to be done. Here is the function of the speaking gifts. It is to be done with a sense of urgency. When Paul told Timothy, preach the word, he was saying it with a sense of urgency. That the time is short. Redeem the time. Redeem the opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity. Do it with a sense of urgency. Because so many people say, I'm going to serve the Lord one of these days. One of these days means none of these days. Okay? That's what it means. So we have to have a sense of urgency. We have to be compelled. I'm obligated to share the Word of God with you. I, it burns in my heart to do that. It's a necessity. God has given me the gift and I am compelled to use it. And that's why there are times... And this morning was one of those times I was awake and up before 5 o'clock this morning. Now, it's not true every week, but many weeks God gets me up early in the morning and I'm going over my notes and refining them and working on them. Why? Because there's an urgency in my heart and soul to do that, to give you that as best I can. Secondly, it is to be done with a heart of devotion. We don't do it half-heartedly. We don't have one foot in and one foot out. We have our whole heart into it. We give our whole self to that, a heart of devotion in sharing that. I've given my time, my attention, my consideration to skillfully share God's Word. I've been adequately equipped and prepared to share God's Word. God has done that. And believe me, I went through some bumps to get to that place where I'm at now. Um, you know, Lorena was talking about the, you know, playing for the first time. I remember some of my early sermons. I remember getting up at the 8 o'clock service at Heritage. We had an 8 o'clock service, and it was a small service in the chapel, thankfully. And I'm up there preaching. I'm about halfway through my sermon, and I have no notes left. I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> and I had all these quotes and everything, and I said, I said, folks, I said, we've got a little problem. <laughs> I said... My notes, I think, are back in my office. The rest of my notes, I said, some of you were praying for a short sermon today, weren't you? <laughs> and uh, one little older lady sitting down toward the front, bless her heart, she said, I was ready to say, we should just sing How Great Thou Art. <laughs> you know, uh, bless her heart that she wanted to do that. I wanted to crawl under the pulpit. Um, but you know, you're not going to do it perfectly every time, but it's okay, but have a heart of devotion. Say, God, I'm available. And I want to be used. Thirdly, it is done with an attitude of readiness. God, I want to be ready. I want to be used by you. I have a willingness and an eagerness to share God's word with other people. That's what Paul was saying. Be ready in season, out of season. With complete patience and teaching. So that's the speaking gifts. Now let's go on to the serving gifts. Serving gifts are working with your hands to benefit others. Some of us are very good at building and putting things together, and others just need to hand the tools to those who can do it. You know, I'm a good tool handler. You know, I can handle the tool. Give me this, give me that, you know. Um, I'm a gopher. I can go for something, you know, uh, to pick something up. These gifts are exercised by the strength God supplies. Remember we said at the outset the, uh, in 1 Peter 4.11, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, words of God, 
Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength God supplies. So you don't serve in your own strength. I don't serve in my own strength. It is through the strength and power of God that we serve, even with our hands. We have the ability to do certain things. We have physical strength. We have health. We have mental and moral power to do certain things. God has given all of that to us. The very fact that I have a healthy body and, and can use my hands and I can put things together with my mind is a gift from God. And sometimes I think we minimize that. We don't recognize that. People that can work with computers and work with wood and work with clothes and, and the various things that people can do, build things. I mean, that's a gift from the Lord. Mechanical people. Some people are mechanically inclined. And some of us are mechanically reclined, okay? We can't do it. Um, Ephesians 6.10 says this, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Again, we're going in the strength of God to serve other people. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I don't do it myself. You don't do it yourself. It is the strength of God that he gives to us. And of course, he tells us in Isaiah 40, 31, they that wait upon the Lord will what? Renew their strength. So how do I get renewed in my strength? I have to wait upon God. And so maybe the reason some people drop out of the race and they don't serve is they are not waiting on God. Let me ask you a quick question. How is your time with the Lord on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? What, if I was to sit down with you and say, what is God impressing on your heart in your own personal time with the Lord, what would you say? You see, because that is tied in to my using and my passion and my heart and my devotion. It's tied into all of that. And so we've got to be strengthened through Christ daily in a daily relationship with the Lord. And remember last week we talked about our need for belonging, self-worth, competency, purpose have all been met in Christ. It gives me victory over feelings of inadequacy, feelings of insecurity, feelings of worthlessness. I have a sense of mission because of what God has done in my life. The motivation in using, should say in using, is using speaking and serving gifts is love. It's love. What is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And the second is what? Say it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So the great commandment, the motivation for me using my gift has to be love for God and love for others in that order. My love for God is so strong because God loves people, as the one songwriter wrote, more than anything. And so when we love God, you can't help but love people. And it comes out when, in your service. So the motivation in using these gifts, and that's why I have to spend time with God to renew my love for Him and to renew my love for others. It is vital. All right, the function of serving gifts. 
Serving gifts are exercised according to the needs in the body of Christ. According to the needs. So in Acts chapter 6, there was a need that arose among the Hellenists, which were, the Hellenists were Greek-speaking Jews. Their native tongue was Greek, but they were Jewish Christians. Okay? But there was a need that arose with them. And here's what it says. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists, these Jewish Christians who spoke Greek, arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word to serve tables. They're saying our gift is a speaking gift, so we should not give up the speaking gift to do the serving. And so at that point, they decided we need to incorporate some other people in the body who have the gift of serving so that the speakers can continue to use their gift and the servers can use their gift and the needs in the congregation are met. So it's important that we have that. And they did that. So they were exercised according to the needs in the body of Christ. Let me add this now. Secondly, serving gifts are carried out by people of faith and the Holy Spirit. People of faith and the Holy Spirit. That's how this is carried out. It goes on to say in Acts 6, in verse 3, he says, Brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom. I find it interesting that they were going to be serving with their hands, but they wanted them to be full of the Spirit and of wisdom, full of faith, to use their hands. Why? Because I'm not going to serve in the right way unless I'm full of the Spirit of God. And it's done in the context of love. Otherwise, I'm doing it for myself. I may be doing it to try to overcome the guilt that I have about bad things that I've done. And God has already paid the price for that. So they appoint these people, and he says, we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and six other men who also met that same criteria. Here's what happened. When these seven men used their serving gifts, and the other people got to use their speaking gifts, guess what happened to that church? It grew. (laughs) It grew. That's what happened. It goes on to say that in that passage if you go to read it. So here's the question. What keeps a church from growing is when you have people who are unwilling to discover their gift to develop their gift and use their gift. When spiritual gifts are not being used, you will find a spirit of selfishness and a lack of unity in the body of Christ. That's what you will have. People will attack each other. There'll be divisions. There'll be cliques. There'll be arguments. But when we are all seeking to promote the cross of Christ and the gospel, and carry out the Great Commission so other people know about Jesus, it brings us together in unity, does it not? There's no other unifying factor. 
Otherwise, I'm using my gift to only promote myself, but if I'm using it to promote Jesus and you're using your gift to promote Jesus, it brings us together because we're trying to do the same thing. It's vital that we understand that. The Great Commission is being fulfilled when people exercise their gifts. If you want to diagnose the spiritual health of a church, go no further than seeing how many people are exercising their spiritual gifts with a spirit of joy and love. And you will see the spiritual health of a church. Interestingly enough, when this idea came up about appointing seven men, they didn't break out into an argument and say, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. You just, all you want to do is speak. You don't want to serve. No, it, it says that when they shared about picking seven men, it says this pleased the whole gathering. In other words, there was a sense of unity that, yes, this is what we need to do to accomplish and meet the needs of our congregation. The whole congregation was pleased. And, you know, when we pray about our building and our, our property and all those things, there should be a sense of unity that we are trying to carry out the Great Commission and being unified in that for what God wants us to do. This was a spirit-led church in Acts. It was a unified church. They were motivated to spread the gospel and see people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. How much work goes undone because people refuse to use their gifts? I find this interesting. I came across this statistic, and I, I found it interesting. It said approximately 39% of shoppers will purchase a department store gift card for friends and family, followed by approximately 33% of shoppers opting for a restaurant gift card. But according to estimates in the Journal of State Taxation, the typical American home has an average of $300 in unused or unredeemed gift cards. <laughs> These cards are often misplaced, accidentally thrown out, or only partially redeemed. And here's what really staggered me. Between 2005 and 2011, $41 billion in gift cards went unused. What a waste. But then I take that over to spiritual gifts and I say, 300 people plus. How many people are using their gift? Or is God saying, what a waste. <laughs> what a waste. That we're not exercising and using our gifts for the Lord. Here's what the Apostle Paul said in Acts 20, 24. But I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. By the glory of God, we want to finish our course and the ministry that God has for us. Are you going to do that till the day your heart stops beating? <laughs> Now, some of us, it's interesting. I was thinking about this, how when we get older and our bodies start breaking down and, the, and we can't do the things we used to do, but we have the heart for it. I mean, our heart is actually probably bigger than it's ever been, more gracious than it's ever been, more knowledgeable than it's ever been, but my body won't allow me to do it, but I have the heart. And you can devote yourself to prayer. 
the ministry of prayer. I was talking to somebody this week. It was interesting. They said they start their prayer life in Rapid City. And then they moved over to Huron. And then they go down to Nebraska and down to Florida. And that's, they, they travel all around in their prayer life. I thought, what a ministry. Because they don't have the body to do it. What an incredible ministry. And yet, we have people on the other end who have healthy bodies, but they don't have the heart. <laughs> they don't have the heart to use the body. And so it requires both heart, body, soul to get involved in God's work. Service for God cannot be accomplished without some form of self-emptying for the sake of others. Service that does not include some type of sacrifice falls short of bringing glory to God. He talks about that there are different functions in the body. Just as the members of the physical body have different functions, so also the members of the body of Christ have different functions. If you just want to jot down 1 Corinthians chapter 12... Verses 14 to 18, it talks about the physical body being one body with many parts. And Paul relates this analogy to the operation of spiritual gifts in the body of Christ. He says the foot and the hand have to get along for the body to function properly. The eye and the ear have to get along to function properly. They are designed to, listen, they are designed to complement one another not compete with one another. Complement, not compete. And it's vital that we understand that. There was a man who broke his left arm, and one night he couldn't sleep. And he said he imagined a dialogue between his right hand and his left hands. The right hand said, left hand, you're not missed. Everybody's glad it was you that was broken and not me. You're not very important. The left hand asked, how are you superior? Right hand replied, why, my owner cannot write a letter without me. Left hand, but who holds the paper on which he writes? The right hand, who swings the hammer? Left hand, who holds the nail? Right hand, who guides the plane when the carpenter smooths the board? Left hand, who steadies the board? Right hand, when our owner walks down the street and lifts his hat to greet someone, which of us does it? Left hand, who holds the briefcase while he does it? Then he continued, let me ask you a question. When our owner shaved yesterday, you held the razor, but his face is cut because I wasn't there to help. Also, our owner's watch has stopped. Why? You may do the winding, but if I'm not there to hold it, the watch won't get wound. You can't take money out of his wallet to pay for something because I'm not there to hold it. The master can do very few things without me. So too, we each have a place in the family of God. Some are a foot, some are a hand, some are an eye, some are an ear. But every one of them are valuable in the kingdom of God. And one of the lies of the enemy is, mine doesn't really matter. I don't have much to offer. Um, you have a lot to offer. God has gifted you, and he will strengthen you to use the gift if you are willing to use it.
I want to go in now to some of the individual gifts, and these are going to be about the speaking gifts um, at this time. The first one is apostle. If we go to Ephesians chapter 4, it tells us in verse 11, it was he, talking about God, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. And so we want to look at this list. There's also a list in Romans 12, and there's a list in 1 Corinthians 12, and it talks about spiritual gifts in 1 Peter 4 that we looked at a while ago. Uh, but here, an apostle is one who is sent forth with a message. They are a representative. They are an ambassador. They are a person who is sent, as it were, from one country to another to represent that country. And when you think about it, in a sense, we're all ambassadors for Christ because we are sent from one country to another because we are pilgrims passing through. This is not our final home. We are actually representing heaven. And so we are an ambassador for heaven to share the good news. These apostles were commissioned by God for their task. It tells us in Matthew 10.1, he called to him, talking about Jesus, his 12 disciples, and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out to heal every disease and every affliction. So this tells us not only were they commissioned by God for their task, but it also tells us they were men. Uh, oh, actually, I don't have this one down. Let me just back up a second. They were men who were given special authority by God to cast out demons, to heal people. And so for that reason, I don't think there are apostles today. I think this was specific to authenticate the message of Jesus Christ and to establish the church, but not to continue the church. God instituted certain things to establish the church and to authenticate his message, but not necessarily to continue the church. He's given other gifts for that. They were given special authority by God. They were also, and here's why I say that, they were men who had either seen or been a companion of the Lord Jesus. And so it's kind of hard to be an apostle if you haven't done that. And there's a, so there's a very narrow range for an apostle, there is a little bit broader range when he includes some other people in the New Testament, but it seems to be, to me, to be a very narrow uh, range. They were also men who were eyewitnesses of the resurrected Lord. They had seen him after he was resurrected. However, I guess an exception might be the Apostle Paul, but you read about the Apostle Paul and it says he was a chosen vessel of God and he was to take the message of the gospel to the Gentiles. And he suffered probably as much as anyone. So they were used to authenticate the message and start the church. The other gifts are designed to continue and build the church. Paul says in Romans 1, 1, a servant of Christ Jesus called to be an apostle set apart for the gospel of God. It also tells us in Acts 14, 14, but when the apostles Barnabas and, and Paul heard of it, 
they tore their garments around. So here he includes Barnabas as an apostle. But they were given this speaking gift, and their role was sent by God to share the message of the good news of Jesus Christ, to authenticate the message of the gospel. And that's why they were given special authority, special gifts to heal and drive out demons. Does God still heal today? Absolutely, but he doesn't need a human instrument to do it. I believe God divinely heals, but he doesn't need a faith healer to do it. He chose to work that way when he was authenticating his message. And I think that's the difference. And it tells us in Mark 13, 14, he appointed 12 whom he also named apostles so they might be with him and he might send them out to preach. So that was their role, was to be sent out to preach. All right, the second one here is prophet. Prophet, the gift of communicating direct words from God. God had given direct messages to the prophets. Remember, Moses went up on Mount Sinai. God gave him the law. He gave him the Ten Commandments. He received those from the burning bush directly from God. And he was given that. Now, there's two aspects of being a prophet when we talk about prophecy. And we have to be very careful when we talk about this and look at this because you have people who disagree. But in prophecy, you have two main aspects of it. One is foretelling, which is predicting the future. The second one is forthtelling, proclaiming God's truth. I believe that the foretelling has ceased. There's no new prophecy. In fact, the Bible warns in Revelation, if anyone will add to the prophecies of this book, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. So therefore, there's no new prophecy. But before we had the New Testament, the Old Testament prophets were proclaiming God's word orally, and then he gave it to the New Testament writers to write down, so we had it in writing. So they were foretelling, predicting the future when they said, Behold, a, a, woman, a, a virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. Call his name Emmanuel, Jesus. Okay, so that was all predicted by the future, 700 years prior to the birth of Christ. But now our role as a prophet, if you have the gift of prophecy, it is forthtelling, proclaiming God's truth. And they have a special sense of calling out sin and calling people to repentance that God has given to them. He tells us in 1 Corinthians 14.3 some of the um, functions of a prophet. He says, on the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. So there's no new prophecy being spoken today. The Bible, in fact, warns us about many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so whenever you read something that says this person has apostolic power or something, a red flag better go up. Or this person has a new prophecy, a red flag better go up. I remember reading or hearing about a man one time. He was writing down on a legal pad things that he believed God was telling him. And he, he, he sold his home and he moved his family to Florida. And the way he got to Florida was he was following a cloud to Florida. 
And he believed God told him to do all this stuff. But here was the thing. Somebody asked him, what if God says one thing in his word and you have something else written down on your pad, which one are you going to follow? He said, well, of course, the thing God gave me. (laughs) You see a problem with that? It's not the written revelation of the canon of Scripture. The canon of Scripture meaning is the rule. It is the standard by which we judge everything else. It has to come from God's Word. It's vital. Thirdly is evangelist. An evangelist is a messenger of the good news. Now, this does not abdicate our responsibility to be witnesses. We are all called to be witnesses, and that is not a spiritual gift. That is a command that God has given the church. We are all to be witnesses of the gospel. But an evangelist has a special calling by God and a special gifting to proclaim God's message. They can talk to somebody, a a total stranger, and develop a relationship with them and lead them to Christ in about 15 minutes. It's amazing. God has given them a a unique ability and a unique connection with people uh, to be able to do stuff like that. They share the gospel clearly that others may come to faith in Christ. A good example, if you want to jot down Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 40, it talks about Philip. Philip was an evangelist. God called Philip to go from Jerusalem, it says, down to Gaza or wherever it was to share with the Ethiopian eunuch, right? And the Ethiopian eunuch is sitting up in his chariot and he's reading from the book of Isaiah, the prophecy, and he doesn't understand it. And Philip comes up and says, do you understand what you're reading? He says, how can I unless someone explains it to me? What does Philip do? He gets up in the chariot and he explains, has a one-on-one sermon, and he leads him to Christ because he's an evangelist, and God called him to do that. And so they have a special gifting. And it's interesting, even in in preaching, there's a sense of evangelism because Paul, when he writes Timothy, he says to Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. So we not only share to build up the body of Christ, but we share the gospel that lost people might come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. But an evangelist has a special ability to do that. Fourthly, as pastors and teachers, it means shepherd. They care for and teach local congregations. The pastor is a shepherd. They know the sheep. They learn about the sheep, strengths, weaknesses, and things they need to do to care for the sheep. They feed the sheep. Jesus told Peter to feed my sheep. They guide the sheep. That's our responsibility is to guide the sheep to feed the sheep, to teach the sheep so they can become spiritually mature and doctrinally grounded. They protect the sheep as well against false teaching. And that's why they preach the Word of God. And that's why Paul told the Ephesian elders in Acts 20, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood to care for the church of God. Well, I'm going to stop here. I had one more, but I'm going to hold that for next week. We'll continue on with these. Uh, I would like us to stand for a word of prayer this morning. While we do, I would just ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes.
And I just want to ask you, where are you at? Do you, as you think about gifts, do you have a speaking gift? We haven't made it to the serving gifts yet. Haven't quite finished the speaking gifts. But are you beginning to zero in on maybe which camp you're in? And then once you zero in on that, and actually I, I do want to say this, that we, have, uh, we do have a spiritual gifts inventory or profile, whatever you want to call it. It's about 120 questions and can help you identify. Now it's not scripture, but it can help you certainly identify maybe passions and gifting that you have. Now, I have to talk to Anthony. Maybe we can put that online for you uh, where you can access it because I would encourage you to take that um, and figure out what your gift is. And then meet with myself or Anthony or somebody to find out, okay, here's my gifting. Here's some of my passions. What areas can I get involved in at Bethesda? Where can I serve? And it's vital that we are serving and contributing because that's how we're going to grow as a church you know bricks and mortar don't build a church people build a church God is called people he has gifted people and people are a gift to the church they really are and you know what let me just say this this church is blessed it really is we have many gifted people in this church Many. And many are serving, and I'm grateful for it. But you know what? I think there's always room to grow. I think there are people who have gifts maybe that haven't tapped into them yet, haven't discovered them, haven't tapped into them, haven't really developed them. And that's what God wants to do in your life. I pray that this series will radically change your life and change this church for His honor and for His glory. Because then when people come in, the love, the unity will be so evident. Our worship will go to a new level. It absolutely will. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that is the first step. You may have talents, you may have abilities, but you are not strengthened by God to use them. And it will not wash away your sin. Only the blood of Jesus Christ will do that. Good works will not. Our good works are filthy rags before the Lord. We need a personal relationship with Jesus. And I call you to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus, to give your life to Jesus. If you feel that guilt on the inside, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Don't turn a deaf ear to the Holy Spirit. Respond to Him. If you need someone to talk with and pray with, I'll be available after the service to do that. And would love to do that. I want to invite you to do that. That you can begin that journey with the Lord. Let's pray. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is Bethesda MB. Dot org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.